Welcome to Stewardship Spotlight, a podcast featuring conversations with the world's leading experts on antimicrobial resistance and stewardship. This podcast is produced by the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project at the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. I'm Dr. Marnie Peterson, your host. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Hermson about the importance of enhancing the public's health literacy of antimicrobial stewardship and resistance. She and her co-authors published a manuscript earlier this year where they identified a significant gap in antimicrobial stewardship efforts in the outpatient setting. They called for enhancing the public's health literacy as an underrecognized approach to addressing antimicrobial resistance. Dr. Hermson, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation. So before we begin our conversation, I would just like to provide our listeners with a little bit of your background, um, of all your significant career accomplishments, as well as all the training you've had. Dr. Hermson is currently the head of Global Antimicrobial Stewardship at Merck & Company, Incorporated, known as MSD outside the U.S. and Canada. She's responsible for creating and executing a strategy to advance antimicrobial stewardship through education, implementation, research, and advocacy. She received her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of Nebraska Medical Center, followed by a pharmacy practice residency at the Nebraska Medical Center, a fellowship in infectious diseases research, and a master's degree in business administration at the University of Minnesota. Following her fellowship, Dr. Hermson developed and co-directed the Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at the Nebraska Medical Center and subsequently joined Cubist, where she created and led the Antimicrobial Stewardship Outreach Group. Dr. Hermson has contributed to the profession with numerous publications and peer-reviewed journals, several book chapters, and she has given over 100 invited presentations at state, regional, national, and international meetings. She's an international expert in antimicrobial stewardship and also recently gave a TED talk regarding this topic of antimicrobial stewardship and resistance in TEDx Omaha 2019. She presented at the U.S. Presidential Advisory Committee on Combating Antibiotic Resistant Bacteria in February of this year. So it's terrific to have you, Dr. Hermson, um, as this global and international expert on antimicrobial stewardship. And today we're going to focus on the manuscript you co-authored regarding bringing focus to the importance of improving health literacy as it relates to antimicrobial stewardship. So just to begin on this topic, can you define what is health literacy? Sure. Thanks for the question. Health literacy is commonly defined as the degree that individuals have the capacity to obtain, process, and understand basic health information and services in order to make appropriate health decisions, access services, and navigate the healthcare system. But that's a pretty complicated definition for health literacy. So in other words, Basically, it just means that someone can find, understand, and act upon health information. Health literacy involves a number of skills, 
the ability to obtain and apply health information or information literacy, communicate with providers or oral literacy, read, write, and interpret information or print literacy, use a computer to gather information and locate services or computer literacy, and calculate or reason numerically or numeracy skills. And those are all involved in health literacy. Importantly, health literacy or poor health literacy is a stronger predictor of a person's health than age, income, employment status, education level, and race. So it's really incredible when you think about the importance of poor health literacy on our health outcomes. More recent definitions have also acknowledged the two-sided nature of health literacy, noting that it is also the responsibility of the person or organization doing the communication to communicate clearly. It's an important uh topic or important that you noted that how important it is to have health literacy and how that can affect the person's overall health. A, a key gap in increasing this literacy that you and your co-authors identified is the lack of clear communication that individuals have between themselves and their health providers in the outpatient setting. I, my question is, why is the outpatient setting so important here? Yeah, the the outpatient setting is important because this is where most antibiotic use occurs. And approximately 30% or one-third of antibiotics prescribed in the outpatient setting are inappropriate. So again, stating it another way, about one in three prescriptions in the outpatient setting is inappropriate. If we eliminate or, at a minimum, significantly reduce this misuse, then we help to decrease the selection pressure that ultimately leads to antimicrobial resistance. So this setting is really ripe for antimicrobial stewardship interventions, and increased understanding and awareness of the impact of antimicrobial resistance and the need for antimicrobial stewardship are crucial to the success of any such interventions. So just to delve into the overall significance of this uh, lack of health literacy in our in our country in the United States. So just to remind everyone in the US, antibiotic resistant bacteria cause at least 35,000 deaths and over 2.8 million illnesses each year. And these numbers are expected to increase as we anticipate increasing antibiotic resistance. What your paper cited regarding health literacy was even more staggering in that only 12% of adults in the United States have proficient health literacy. So it's a very small percentage of the adult population. So I just wanted to ask you what, what factors because there's more than 12% of adults that have, you know, an even advanced education. What factors are associated with this low, low health literacy and the knowledge that surrounds antibiotics? Well, so first I'll just clarify that my next statements are 
about health literacy in general and not specific to antibiotics. But that's correct, what you said. The vast majority of Americans lack the necessary skills needed to prevent or manage disease in general. On top of that, 36% of adults in the U.S. have only basic or below basic health literacy and cannot perform what are considered to be moderately challenging tasks. So those would that would be things like determining a healthy weight range if you're given a graph that relates height and weight to body mass index, or even interpreting a child immuni- childhood immunization schedule using a standard immunization chart. And health literacy challenges no no boundaries. People of all ages, races, incomes, and education levels can have low health literacy. So you mentioned that a higher proportion of adults in the U.S. than 12% have advanced education. And so, like I said, people of all education levels can still have low health literacy. But there are some populations that are more vulnerable to low health literacy, and those include those people aged 65 years or older, people with less than a high school education, people living in poverty, racial and ethnic minorities, and people with limited English proficiency. So now switching gears a little bit and talking specifically about antibiotics, several surveys have evaluated the public's understanding of antimicrobial resistance and stewardship, showing a mixed level of understanding across countries. Most people recognize that antimicrobial resistance is a problem, but many think that it's due to the body developing tolerance or resistance to the antibiotic rather than the bacteria becoming resistant to the antibiotic. They don't understand that antibiotic overuse is a major contributor to the problem. And many people believe that viral illnesses like the common cold can be treated with antibiotics. They don't understand that antibiotics are only effective against bacteria. These misunderstandings are likely multifactorial, including the complex terminology that we often use when we talk about antimicrobial resistance and stewardship, as well as the lack of time to ensure clear communication and adequate comprehension when having these conversations with patients or the lay public. And I guess I'll end my comments on this question with a quote that has stuck with me over the years. And uh, this person said, if someone says they understand antimicrobial resistance, then it hasn't adequately been explained to them. So again, just highlighting that this is a very complex topic just to begin with in and of itself. The the complexity of the terminology and then how that is interpreted is very important. And in the paper, you not only outlined the problem of this lack of health literacy, but then you come up, you, the, you and your co-authors started to highlight the call to action and some of the suggestions that you could put forth. And there were four core elements for enhancing health literacy, specifically around antimicrobial stewardship in the outpatient setting where those conversations are occurring. There were four domains with the first being starting with leadership. Can you explain or ex- describe what the four domains were that in the in the manuscript, and then why 
you started with leadership. Why is leadership so important? Sure. So the the four domains are based on the framework from the CDC core elements of antimicrobial stewardship in the outpatient setting. And those core elements were leadership commitment, intervention and action, tracking and reporting, and education and expertise. So leadership commitment is so important because it is critical to lasting change. Commitment from the highest level really helps to set the tone for the rest of the organization and ideally will lead to change at the organizational level, weaving health literacy into the culture and the system operations. In the manuscript, we included a a gap analysis checklist based on the 10 attributes of a health literate organization that clinics can use to evaluate their commitment to antimicrobial stewardship health literacy. The next element, intervention and action, that that shows that you're actually doing something about the commitment. You don't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk. In the paper, we provided several examples of potential interventions, things like implementing the health literate care model, which calls for approaching all patients with the assumption that they are at risk of not understanding information and then confirming and ensuring their understanding. Using the CDC Clear Communication Index when developing patient education materials and using the teach-back technique when communicating with patients. The next elements are tracking and reporting, and those are really integral to evaluation of the effectiveness of your interventions and actions. And it also helps to build buy-in and generate enthusiasm and maintain momentum of your program. You need to be able to answer questions like, is AMS or antimicrobial stewardship health literacy improved from baseline? Are antibiotics being prescribed more responsibly? Are patients and providers satisfied? And lastly, education and expertise provide tools to support the necessary interventions and actions and informed decision making. So, for example, staff maybe could be required to complete training or competencies in health literacy and antimicrobial stewardship, and decision aids could be developed to help facilitate the patient and provider dialogue. So, really laying out the core elements and then with one of them being tracking and reporting what would be nice, you can see that that would lead to then data that then could be form research and show that some of these programs that were being implemented were having the impact that you desired. Of course, starting with just making sure there's health literacy within the staff first. Right. The future strategies beyond these for enhancing health literacy and antibiotic knowledge was also uh, presented in the paper. And one of the strategies was engaging with patient advocacy groups. And I just thought we, you could mention perhaps, did your group collaborate with patient advocacy groups or just perhaps speak about the importance of, of engaging with those groups? Yeah, so there actually aren't very many patient advocacy groups in the antimicrobial stewardship and resistance space. So there's definitely room for improvement here. 
One example I can share is a collaboration with Christian Lillis, who is one of the co-authors of the manuscript that we're talking about today. And he is the executive director and co-founder of the Peggy Lillis Foundation. The foundation's mission is to build a nationwide C. diff awareness movement by educating the public, empowering advocates, and shaping policy. And a few years ago, we worked with the Peggy Lillis Foundation to help them redesign a patient education brochure, applying evidence-based health literacy best practices, making it easier for patients to understand the infection and the potential consequences. In general, patient advocacy groups can be especially effective in engaging the public because they have a lot of really powerful stories and messages to share, and they're very personal stories. Uh, And they usually deliver their messages in plain language rather than using a bunch of medical jargon like we as medical professionals tend to do. Correct. They can have the the conversation at the level that's understandable. Uh, And I could imagine with the patient advocacy groups and with sharing of that knowledge, through brochures or whatever materials that get that are created, then it creates in the outpatient setting more of a two-way dialogue than the health provider speaking with just the patient and the patient taking in information and listening, but they could come with their own questions and have a two-way conversation. So it seems exactly very- and that and that's a really important component, that two-way nature, that double-sided nature of health literacy. So to close the podcast about health literacy, we, we bring it into present day. And um, when the paper was written, of course, it was talking about the deficiency in health literacy, especially around antibi- antimicrobial stewardship and resistance. And health literacy is very dynamic. And even mentioned in the paper, it can be impacted by many things, including fear or stress that's happening to the individual. So currently with the COVID-19 pandemic, there is, that is induced stress in individuals. Um, They're unsure, uh, the information they're receiving, what sources they're receiving it from and how they're interpreting that can be very important. How how do you feel this is impacting health literacy uh, in general, but also as it pertains to antimicrobial stewardship? So, great question. Uh, And as you suggested, there is increasing recognition that health literacy is modifiable and dynamic. It can change over time. A person's ability to find, understand, and act upon health information is affected by their communication skills and the communication skills of those providing the information. It's affected by their level of knowledge about health topics, including an understanding of the relationship between their behavior and various health consequences. Also affected by embarrassment or shame about their skill level, leading to misunderstandings or errors in following instructions. Uh, A person's ability to find, understand, and act upon health information can also be affected by the demands of the situation or context, such as stressful events, as well as the complexity of the healthcare system. 
including even just difficulty locating or accessing services and evaluating information on the internet. And then lastly, it can be impacted by their cultural background and beliefs as well. When you go down that list, I think that you'll agree that essentially all of those factors are at play with COVID-19. We've heard confusing and sometimes contradictory messages. People have had to change their behavior in significant ways. We've all had to come to the realization and accept that there's a lot about this virus that we don't know. And although everyone's situation is different, I think no one would argue that we're all operating under increased stress. And navigating and accessing services has changed in a major way, too, in a very short period of time. COVID really brings to bear even more how critical it is to provide information in a way that upholds the principles of health literacy. In terms of how COVID is impacting antimicrobial stewardship and resistance, we are definitely seeing increased rates of antimicrobial usage, and therefore that creates increased selection pressure for the subsequent development of antimicrobial resistance. Because as I mentioned previously, antimicrobial use is a key driver of antimicrobial resistance. We're seeing these challenges in practicing responsible antimicrobial use for a variety of reasons, not the least of which are limited data, as well as lack of access to rapid, accurate diagnostics and effective treatments. And all of those things coupled with fear. Previous influenza pandemics have shown us that a relatively large proportion of deaths associated with the pandemics, sometimes over half of the deaths, were due to secondary bacterial infections. And some of the reports that we've seen with COVID-19 suggest that about 50% of of the COVID-19 patients who have died have also had a bacterial co-infection although the data are still accumulating, and it seems as though the rates of bacterial co-infection are lower than what we've seen with previous influenza pandemics. We we know, ultimately, that there has been a lot of antimicrobial use, some appropriate and some inappropriate. And I think, in the end, COVID has helped to highlight the need for policies that enable the availability of and access to effective antimicrobials and vaccines and the clinical practices that support the responsible use of such tools. Dr. Hermson, I thank you so much for your your insights today. Uh, I think even just as you've highlighted in talking about the interplay that's happening right now between uh, the COVID viral pandemic in combination with antimicrobial use and what that will mean for resistance is is evolving. And because of that, it's even more important that we bring attention to the importance of health literacy. And, And like you said before, how that information is delivered and at what level, so it's not overly complicated. Um, But then also, recognizing that it it is changing over time as more information becomes available. So people need to be adaptive and continue to grow their their knowledge base. So I think this is such an important topic that your 
co-authors brought to light specifically around antibiotic resistance and stewardship, but also it is health literacy in general and how that it can affect overall health and well-being of society. So such an important topic and really appreciate you laying out the roadmap for people to start to pay attention to this. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation to, to have this discussion with you today. As I mentioned before to our listeners with your background, this is your area of expertise that you've spent a lot of most of your career focused on, and we appreciate you continuing to focus on this at a, at a global level and for your time today. Um, and we look forward to, to following your work and speaking with you in the future. Thank you, Marnie. I appreciate it. This is Dr. Marnie Peterson, and you've been listening to Stewardship Spotlight, a podcast produced by the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project Team at the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy. Our podcast editor is Maya Peters. For more news and information on antimicrobial resistance and stewardship, check out our website at sidrap.umn.edu ASP. You can also find us on Twitter at sidrap underscore ASP.